Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. This morning I want to talk to you about being trained for battle. Being trained for battle. And I think that everything that you've been walking through these past few weeks have been training training for battle because that's ultimately what we're in not against flesh and blood we're not you know pastor's not assembling an army to go out and to defeat the neighborhood uh, in the physical sense but he is assembling an army to go out and defeat the neighborhood in a spiritual sense to take authority over the things that that try to have authority over lives but really have no authority at all because a lot of things in this world that, 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 that have uh, that wear a mask of authority and that they, they bind us because we really don't understand that we actually have authority over them. And God is raising up his people to be able to, uh, to, to, to be trained, to be equipped. And that's what Ephesians chapter 4 says that the leadership of a church is for, is to equip the saints to, to be who God has created them to be, to, to, to strengthen them, to help them understand their giftings. What you did last week was one, one of the most biblical things that you could do as a church family, understand how it is that God wants to use you. Imagine that, a church full of people that understand their giftings and understand their calling and then can work together. Because oftentimes we have everybody just kind of coming to a building and just kind of you know, wandering or doing the same thing, but a church who knows its position. I played sports all of my life and a team wins when everybody plays their position. When everybody works together and they, 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 they feed off of each other, they assist one another. And that's the exact same way a church is supposed to work. It's not supposed to be a building that we just come to to do religious things. And that's why giving is so powerful, not to jump on, you know, uh, if you're new, I don't want you to think that, uh, you know, you just, the churches just talk about money, but, it, but there's, we have a misconception about what giving is for. It's not just a religious activity to, to, to pay the bills. It's an investment into what God has called you to. And oftentimes, if we want to walk in the giftings that God has given us, we have to first show our faithfulness by giving to what God has called you to. Amen. Because if you don't have a place that you are called to, it's really hard for God to use the giftings that he's given to you in that place. And so as, as a family would step forward for a family in need, that's what the, the giving is all about. But I'm just going gonna, gonna to leave that one alone and you can, you can dwell, ponder on that one later. Um, the Bible is full of examples of people who accomplished extraordinary things that they never should have been able to do. You know, you have David fighting Goliath, which was kind of a, a battle of odds. You know, the little man against the real big giant man. It wasn't supposed to happen. You have Noah and the ark, which was kind of a, a battle of reason, right? You know, there was, it was, there was no reason to think that there was going to be this rain and no reason to think that he should build a big boat. And people called him stupid and wondered, what in the world? You've lost your mind, Noah. Then there's Moses and the Exodus, and it was really a battle of obedience. Are we going to follow God in the midst of uncertainty and not knowing where he's taking us? Or are we going to shrink back to the things that we used to know that weren't really beneficial for us, but at least we were somewhat comfortable there? We understood how things worked there. And, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I, I think that God has created me for great things. But sometimes when I read scripture, I'm like, how do I get there? 
How do I get to that place where David was when he stood before impossible odds and he believed God to deliver him? How do I get to the place where Noah was when everybody was coming against him, telling them you're stupid and you don't get it and you got to get with the times and you got you to gotta be educated like we are. You got to see things the way that they are in front of you. No, you got to make decisions based off, off of reason. Stop being crazy and, and standing in the midst of what God has called him to do and just seeing it through or to be like Moses, who was leading a group of people who didn't really want to follow him. They were just running in fear and God was continually trying to get their attention, but he continued to lead them anyway and to do great things. How do I get to that place? You know, David, it says uh, in scripture that, you know, when he was going to go fight Goliath, he, he said that, you know, when, when he was watching the sheep and a lion or a bear would come, he, he took care of the lion or the bear and not just a lion or a bear, but lions and bears, like multiple so when David was a young man, he was killing lions and bears and Goliaths, and I was like wrecking cars and, and you know, and, and skipping school, you know, around the same age. And, and David would, he went, to, he went to school and he was like the lion slayer. I don't know, I think, I don't know, you know, in New York, you don't really have a bunch of lions. The other day we went on a prayer walk in uh, Prospect Park and there was a cow running around. But uh, imagine being known as a, as a lion slayer. You know, when I was in high school, what I was known for was because I used to get high all the time. And one of the times when I got high, I, I had a Toyota Tercel that had the, the letters T-O ripped off of it. And so it just said Yoda Tercel. And then I thought it was, was funny because of my love for Star Wars if I took some spray paint and sprayed Yoda on the bumper. So I was known as the Yoda car driver. You know, David is known as the lion slayer and I'm, I just have a spray painted bumper. You know, and I'm trying to figure out how do I get from that place to, to a place like David? Where it doesn't matter what battle comes my way. Was he a perfect man? Absolutely not. But still to be a man that God trusted and that God used. And you know, I, I think that, that, that God has a plan to get us there. And I think that God has a plan to get his church there because the church as a whole needs to step up their game because we have so many things going on in our world that it's the church who has been called to, to be the answer to these things. But because the church hasn't quite understood its calling in this earth, people are left to turn to government. They're left to turn to, 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 to social institutions. They're left to turn to, to things that they're not meant to turn to. The church is to be the answer to racism. The church is to be the answer to poverty. The church is to be the, the place where when there doesn't seem to be any leaders that can be trusted, they, the, the church can be trusted. The church is supposed to be the place where we get rid of the, the me over we mentality that we find in society. The church is to be the place that breaks addiction, that heals, that restores relationships and marriages. But not just even in a societal level, but a personal level. The, per, the church is supposed to be a place where people come and they're delivered from their sin. They can bring their sin and lay it to the cross. The cross isn't in existence anymore and the fact that it's standing on a hill, you know, you know in, 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 on a hill far away. But it's, it's in a place, in, in, the, in the place where the body dwells is where the cross stands. And just as those came to the foot of the cross to lay everything at the feet of Jesus, we come to his body now, which bears the marks of the cross to lay our sins and those things that afflict us to find healing and all of the things that we need on a personal level. But when we look around, it just doesn't, just doesn't look that good. And so typically the church's response has, has been either to create some bad theology 
some sort of prosperity theology that just, well, just forget all the bad stuff and just, just keep talking yourself into believing everything's good and to believing everything's good and just keep denying the bad and just believing it's supposed to be good. Or we get into to a miracle theology to where we, we feel like everything has to be fixed now. That, that having faith in God, that when we come to him, everything is fixed now, but that's not what God is, is looking to do in us. And probably the worst thing that we can do is, as the church and as the people of God is to disconnect. And how do we disconnect? Well, we come to a point where life becomes too difficult and we look for a safe place to settle in. You know, whether it, it was that parts of ourselves, we just, we, we couldn't confront those areas or we didn't feel safe to confront the things about ourselves, the sins or, or the personality things or the things that we know that need to change, but we just can't do it. And so we find a safe place and we live in acceptance of those things if, as if that's just who we really are. And then we, and then we manipulate a theology of grace to go alongside that. And maybe just not on, the, on that personal level, but maybe there's a situations that happen in our life that challenge our faith. And instead of walking through that, we shrink back and we keep faith as, at an arm's distance so that we can try to control our situation. Because when we're in control, we feel safe. Or there's a traumatic experience in our life. And it's just too difficult to walk through and to find healing from. And I want you to know today that, that our growth is is stunted at the very place where we decided life was too difficult in any one of those levels. And that's the place that I want, that I believe that, that, the, that the battle is that God wants to train you for even this day. Because all of the things that you've been studying, how you've been being positioned, all hinge upon how God is able to restore and heal you individually to be able to link up uh, corporately. And as we're broken and afflicted individually, we have a hard time trusting those around us. We have a hard time accepting those around us and working with those around us. But God individually wants to step in and heal hearts and to heal minds and to heal faith today so that you can walk in your gifting and, and, and you can walk in your calling. And God can use you to do powerful things. God wants us to come out of that place of safety and, and fear of, of the difficult and into a place of freedom. But freedom only comes and is only given by one who is truly free. And victory only comes when we engage in a battle. And to take it one step further, true freedom can only be given by one who is free. But also true victory can only be given when, uh, by, uh, when we fight battles that we can't actually win. And we're given victory to the one who, 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 who is able to make us free. He is able to make us victorious. God wants to, to get us past our safe places and, and, the, and the difficult moments where we stopped and bring us to a true place of freedom and to victory. And the men that I mentioned before, David and Noah and Moses, they all fought these types of battles. And I'm convinced in my own life and in the lives of those that I see around me that, that, we, that we only fight the battles that we, can, that we can win because we don't have the faith to fight the battles that we can't. And God wants to restore and continually restore our faith. 
It's, it's a continual process to come to the Lord and to be given new faith and to be given strength in faith. And, to, and, and that's one of the things that we receive from one, ever, when we, one another when we come into this place. And, and, the, and the, because the reality is, is that our faith determines our battles, but it also ensures our victory because those things come in, 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 in because, the, because it's ensured by the one in whom our faith rests. And if our faith is in Christ, the free one, the victorious one, then we can receive those things. But if it's in self, if it's in the things of this world, then there's really nothing that it can give us apart from what we already know. And I want to look at just a, uh, a couple of scriptures here this morning and look first at the lives of Lot and Abram. And then I'm going to look, uh, tell a personal story and, and then look, close with something that David said as a man who fought many battles and look at how it is that God trains us for battle. What does it mean to be trained for battle? What does it mean to be ready for battle in our lives? And so if you want to turn, if you have your Bibles to Genesis chapter 13, and uh, I think I had given eight uh, to 18, but I'm going to actually start at verse uh, 10, I believe, because the story goes that God has called Abram and he has told him, you know, that he's going to bless him and use him. And he moves him out of the land that he knew into the land that he's going to give him. And on his journey, he takes his nephew Lot. And when they go to this land, to this place, Abram says it goes to the place where he met God before. And he built an altar to God before. And they get to this place and they settle and they realize that the, that the place that they're in cannot uh, accommodate both of their, their families and their tribes and, and all that they are, all the things that they have, their livestock and all of the, that, those sorts of things. So Abram says to Lot, you know, this isn't going to work the way that it is, but there's a lot of land here. So why don't you choose a direction and, and whichever way you don't go, I'll go and we'll figure out how to work this thing out. And so if we pick up in verse 10, it says that, and Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. As you read through 13, you see how they distributed themselves and God promised Abram that he would you know, give him all of this land. When you head into chapter 14, the very next thing that we see that happens in scripture is a group of kings rise up and they come into the land to try to take over the land. And they do take over the land that Lot inhabited because that was the fertile, lush, good, green, you know, area where, where life was supposedly thriving. But we see through scripture that on, on, on the inside, no matter what it looked like on the outside, all of the life, all of the thriving, the men of the area, and specifically Sodom, were great sinners. And so there was sort of a mask 
of prosperity. There was sort of a mask of life. There was sort of a mask of of the kind of place that you wanted to be, but on the inside, it was broken and it was bound by sin. And so when these evil kings came in to take over the land, they went to the place that looked like it was prosperous and that they wanted to take over and, and Lot was taken captive. And so in, during the battle, a man escaped and he came and he told Abram about it and Abram stepped up and he came in and he took charge and we'll, we'll see that here in just a minute. But I always ask myself, how is it that Lot, being Abram's nephew and so much younger, was taken captive but Abram, being an old man, was able to come in and defeat the kings that bound his nephew Lot and to take over the lands? Because on, 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 from, from a reasonable standpoint, it seems like the younger man who had all of the same, you know, uh, family and livestock and goods and riches that Abraham did would be able to rise up and to defeat those that came against him. But there's a couple of things that we see here that I think are, 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 are modern examples of what we still face today. And the first one is that when given the choice, Lot abandoned the process because he chose the prosperity. And because he chose the prosperity and he chose what seemed to have life on the outside, he said it looks like the garden of the Lord. It looks like Egypt, which is already a dangerous association. But he says, look, this looks so beautiful and the valley is great. That's the kind of place that I want to be. But he, he chose prosperity. He settled for the easy way. And I think that his choice was a symptom of his faith. And he got exactly what he chose. He, he, he chose a ready-made spiritual experience that he didn't have to work for. It's already there. Everything's in place. There's life. And I can just move in and I can be comfortable and, and I can experience life. But there was nothing that Lot had to do to own it on his own. And I wonder how many times we do that. When given the choice between two paths and God lays before us as he always does because he he wants not to know the condition of our hearts. God knows the condition of our hearts. But what he wants to do is to help us understand the condition of our hearts. And we get that when we make a choice and then we live through the consequences. You see, wisdom comes from the things that we have already walked through, not from some, you know, sprinkling of pixie dust in the future. Wisdom comes when God opens up revelations from our failure because now we get it. We've experienced the pain. We've experienced the consequence, and we understand it now from both sides, and we, have, we gain wisdom. But, but, but he got exactly what he wanted, a ready-made spiritual experience, and oftentimes we do the same as opposed to putting in the work and following God down the rough path, following God down the path of healing, following God down the path of deliverance, of restoration, of, of turning everything over to him, of surrender. We look at the, the ready-made spiritual experience, and as churches too often we give that to people we just give them something that you can just you can just plug into and not have to work for it on your own and that's why something like a growth track is so important because you come in and you find out who you are and the process that you have to get to or go through to get to the place where God wants you to be and as we all do that together in the body of Christ now we can work together and God can do great things through us so he, he chose for himself this place, and it was so good that he didn't see the dangers because he chose this land based on what it looked like on the outside, but he didn't understand that on the inside it was full of brokenness and sin and something that was going to keep him comfortable and to keep him safe. 
And when the enemy really came in, he was unable to see it, discern it, and to fight against it. He was taken captive. On the other side that we see, Lot had the ability to, or Abram had the ability to allow Lot to choose. And in the process, when Lot chose one direction, Abraham then embraced the process when he was willing to surrender control. When did he surrender control? He surrendered control when he gave Lot the, the, the choice to begin with. As the older man, why didn't he just step forward and say, I'm going here and you're going there? Because he surrendered control to the Lord, because he understood the journey that he was on was not a journey that he created, but it was one that God had sent him on. And so I cannot take control of a journey that God sent me on. I have to continue to surrender control and allow God to lead me down that path. And so he didn't step forward and take control. He surrendered control, trusted in God. He was given a different way, and his choice was a direct fruit of his faith. The first one was a symptom of Lot's lack of faith. Abraham's choice was a fruit of his faith. And he, Lot got what he chose, and Abraham got what God chose for him. God chose for him Canaan. God chose for him the, the, the ground that wasn't so easy to work. God chose for Abraham the difficult path. Why? Because if he was going to be a person through whom the world was going to be blessed... Jesus was the ultimate example of how the world is blessed. He gave his body and he was broken and he died. And we as individuals and we as the church have to understand that the world is not blessed through our prosperity. The world is blessed by our surrender and our brokenness and, and, and our faith unto God. That just as Jesus went and gave himself and was broken and crucified and, was, and, and died and was able to rise again, we have to do the same. We have to take the difficult path. We have to work through the rough ground to give people an opportunity to have something to stand on. Because everything, as the, as the, uh, the, the, uh, the old cliche statement, everything that glitters isn't gold. And Lot found that out the hard way. But God is calling his church, will you, will, will you abandon all of, of what seems so ready-made and perfect on the outside? Will you stop pursuing those things and start following me into the difficult places, the, the places that the enemy has forgotten about because he knows that the church isn't going? And how, 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 how powerful would it be for, 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 the, for the church to beat the enemy at his own game? And say, fine, you have control of all of those things that seem so perfect on the outside. And we're going to flank you to the side, to the right. And we're going to flank you to the left. And we're going to take the mountainous places. And we're going to take the rocky places. And we're going to take the places that seem so unfruitful. And we're going to go after those that don't seem to have it all together. We're going to go after those that's, that are bound by sin. And we're going to go after, after all of those that the world casts out. And we're going to bring glory to our God because it's, it, it, it's something that only he can do. And defeat the enemy from these places. And Abraham got what God chose for him and he was prepared for battle. And we see that because in Genesis 14, verse 14, it says that when Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men. Born in his house. 318 of them and went in pursuit as far as Dan. You see, the difference between the two of them, I believe, was their faith. Becoming battle ready happens when faith is ignited. 
You see, faith helps us look past the temptations of our circumstances. Faith remembers that if we stay faithful, the battle is already ours. Faith takes the Lord at his word. Faith knows that when I am unable, God is able. Faith says that I've got work to do to get in step with what God is already doing. Lot went and he settled in the place that just was already put together. And, and Abram went to the place where work needed to happen. And so in the process, he trained men. And they were raised in his house. And they caught the vision. And they caught the burden. And they understood what they were facing. And then when God came in and said it was time, they were able to go out into battle. Only 318 of them facing multiple kings. And they were able to defeat them. And that's the pattern that we see throughout Scripture. Whenever man wanted to bring more, God said, no, bring less. And I I will do more. And just the same in this story as, as in Gideon and in so many other places in Scripture, we are the strongest when our powers are the least and our faith is the greatest. But it's difficult to get to that place. And it's, it's extremely difficult, almost impossible to get that place if we rest, if we find rest into the places that are ready-made and are perfect and are put together. If we, if we find safe places where we hide from the difficult things in life, if we choose to settle with the lesser things, meaning that I don't have to, to step out any further, I don't have to become more vulnerable, I don't have to, to become more open, I don't have to become more weak. But, but, Paul, but Paul said, it's in my weakness that I am strong because it's in my weakness that his power is made perfect. That's faith. And I was... Uh, a few weeks ago, we had the opportunity to go to a, a spiritual retreat upstate. I work with a Teen Challenge. Uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, I work with a Brooklyn Teen Challenge specifically. And uh, that's my ministry I love that we've been called to, to walk with people who are bound by life-controlling issues. Because I myself was bound by life-controlling issues. And I believe that God shows you your purpose by understanding from where you came. And you can never get where you're going if you don't understand from where you have come and where you are now. And I know that what my calling is, not because God wrote it on a wall or gave me some crazy weird word, but because I, I've, I've been delivered from something so that I, he can use me to help deliver others from something. And so I work with Teen Challenge. It's a, a ministry in, that started in Brooklyn and it's now uh, all over the world. But anyways... We, we, New York Teen Challenge, uh, Long Island, Albany, Buffalo, Syracuse, Brooklyn. We take a spiritual retreat upstate New York on a, uh, on a lake, and it's just beautiful. It's a week long. And uh, we stay in these, these dorms. There's a family house of these dorms. And um, you, you go down the hallway, and then it's kind of split, split into suites that share a bathroom. So you walk in a door, and then you're in this little, like, tiny little hallway, you know, spot, and in front of you, directly in front of you is a door for a bathroom, to one is a door to a room, to this way is a door to a room. So there's multiple, there's four doors, and, and the space that you're standing in is literally, you know, just a, a few feet. Well, when we first came to this, uh, to, uh, to the camp, you know, our boys were staying with us, and we had uh, a couple boys that were staying in the, the, the room over here so they could have their own space, and, and our little ones were uh, staying in our room. But when we first came to the camp, when the boys would stand in the little hallway area, they didn't understand which way to go. 
And they would look, they would look and, and they would think, is, it, is that the door? Like, no, no, this is the door. And then they would come in the next day, is that the door? And they would end up walking into the bathroom. They'd walk in completely the wrong door. But then not only were there multiple doors, but the doors were heavy. And so they didn't have the ability to open them themselves, at least not at first. And so there was, as the week started, you know, when we would run out, we would go places. The boys were always excited. They wanted to go fishing. They wanted to go uh, play with the Frisbees or the basketballs or the rock climbing or whatever the thing was going on. And they were excited and they would run up to the door and they would begin to push and it wouldn't go anywhere because they had to open the handle. But even when they opened the handle, the doors were heavy and they could just kind of crack and push it open. And then I would come up behind them and I would put my hand on the door and, I would, and, I, and with them we would push the door open together. And they would go running out into the next door and then they'd begin to push real hard and, we'd, and then I'd come up with my hand and I'd, and I'd push the door open and they'd go running out in the hallway all excited, ready to go to the place where they were supposed to be. Now, I understood where those doors led. I understood what was going on on the other side of those doors. You know, I, I understood the environment, the circumstances, the potential dangers it was my, my knowledge and, and that, that enabled them to, to go freely out the doors. As we got later into the week, the boys would run and they knew exactly where they were going. They would hit the first door and they would open the, they would put, start to push the door open and they got it a little bit further. And then I would come along and I'd put my hand on the door and we would, we, we would push it open together. And they had no knowledge the whole time that I'm actually pushing the door to the point that when they got to the outside door and they began to push it open, my older son said, Daddy, I got this one. This is the end of the week. And so he goes up and him and Juddy, our middle one, are pushing on the door and they get it open a, a few inches, not quite open enough to get get out the door and then I would come along and I would push my hand just gently on the door and the door would open and they would run out into the hallway and this particular time they were excited because they made it out the door and they thought they did it themselves and they were celebrating we did it we did it and I was standing there as a proud dad thinking yes my boys got it and as clear as day I heard God say doesn't that look familiar and I began to realize and I want to Read this so I I don't get it wrong. That training our hands for war doesn't mean getting us to the place of doing it ourselves. But getting us to the place where our hands are doing what his hands are doing. So that instead of fighting against him, instead of pushing in our own strength to try to open doors that we don't have the ability to open. God trains us to open the right doors with his hands so that as we work together in faith, they're knowing they ran out those doors because they knew that daddy was with them. If they just took off and they knew that I wasn't there, they would have been scared. They wouldn't have ran outside those doors, but they just knew daddy was there, but they didn't know what it was that daddy was doing to help them all along the way. And just understanding how God walks and works with us. That as we go and we put our hands on doors, it's not about us having the ability and the prosperity and everything together to open the door. It's about God helping us understand which doors need to be open and working with his hand. Because ultimately it wasn't them who opened the door, it was me. It was my hand, it was my strength, but it was their victory. And that's what God wants to do in his church. And he's training us. He's working with us to understand. Not to get all all caught up in, 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 in the superficial outside things. And not to try to get to a place. We have things so down in our American you know, society and even in our churches sometimes that we don't even really need God to show up. We can do it. 
We can have the music and we can have the preaching and we can have all of the things and we can have the programs and we can have all of this stuff put together. And I just really don't think that that's what God is looking for. Not that there's anything wrong with those things. I'm a worship leader and I love worship and doing it with excellence and I, and I love preaching and I love programs because programs are an easy way to get people connected to their destiny. But when we do those things, forgetting that God is not even showing up. It's just our own ability here. It's just what we've created for ourselves. And God says, let's pull back the reins a little bit. I know that your desire is to walk into freedom and to walk in victory, but it only comes through my hands. And I believe that God is on the hand. His hand is on the door with this church. I see the devastation in Staten Island and we, we travel to different churches and we have people that come into our program from this, from this island and I've gone to the, the meetings and the committees and I've seen the stats and all of everything that is happening here in this island and I know that what, what, what the enemy thinks that he has under his control is just a miracle waiting to happen. And I know that when the enemy begins to come in like a flood, what does the word says? That God raises a standard. What I, what I believe that that means is as the enemy comes in and he tries to come under the attack, that God has already been raising up a people, and if they will just get in tune with what it is that he's already doing, we will not only break down the doors and the walls and, 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 and the schemes of the enemy, but we will enjoy the victory as well. And we'll be able to celebrate what God is doing, and I believe the greatest days are ahead for Staten Island. I believe the greatest days are ahead for Q Howe Church because I know what God does when he sees brokenness and when he sees us, he sees those who are lost and those who are bound and all, as, as those things grow more and more, grace abounds more and more and he sees people crying out on behalf of their neighborhoods and their cities and their friends and their family and his eyes begin to burn for healing and deliverance and restoration and reconciliation. I'm going to ask my wife to go ahead and come up, and we're going to close and pray here in just a, just a moment. In Psalm 18, I'm just going to read this real, real quick. David said, For who is God but the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. You gave me a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. You know, this psalm is a psalm of praise and a psalm of testimony, not only of what God has done in David's life, but what we can expect in our lives. It's a psalm that we can, we, can, we can read David's testimony and we can be excited about <clears throat> the same God that David is praying <clears throat> is working in us. The same God who delivered David desires to deliver us. David, just notice what, what he says about God. He equipped me with strength. He made my feet like the feet of a deer, my trained my hands for war and he made a, a, a wide place for my steps. That's, those are the things that God does in us as we, we walk along with him. But he also made us, makes us blameless or unhindered as we come to him 
and we surrender to him and we give him our lives, he takes away all the baggage, all the blame, all of the weight that we would be carrying into our battles. He removes those things. Hebrews 12, chapter one says, let us, you know, since we have this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every weight or everything that entangles or everything that hinders us and run the race. He sets us secure on the heights. He opens our eyes and our hearts and our minds to revelation. Being on the heights is an analogy for being able to see things being revealed helping us understand which doors need to be open and which need to remain closed, which ones to walk through. Help us to see what the enemy is doing and know how it is that he's coming on the attack. Paul said, we're not, we're not stupid. We know what the enemy is doing. Modern American vernacular. And God wants to reveal those things. Arms that can bend a bow of bronze, strength. I don't know about you, but there's times that I just, I wake up in the morning already feeling defeated. It's those mornings that I realize that, that my faith has weakened. And even in my humanity and my brokenness and me walking throughout my bad day, you know, there's little glimpse and, and opportunities that God chips away and he restores and he strengthens. My feet did not slip, that's an assurance. Knowing that my, my steps are secure, that I know my dad is with me. He hasn't left me, he hasn't failed me. I haven't failed, I'm not a failure. God, is, he's still with me. And all that I've done and the mistakes that I've made and the times that I've turned my back, I love the, 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 the hymn, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. So we have to go through a process of being trained for battle, but when we have become battle ready, we are shielded, we are supported, and we are made great. See, when I'm unable to walk victorious and walk in freedom. I know it's not because God doesn't care. It's not because God isn't real. It's not because of my situation. It's not because of anything outside of, of, of my person. It's because that I don't believe God enough to fast and pray. Because I don't believe God enough to get rid of the plan B's in my life. Because I don't forgive myself or forgive others for what they have done. I don't believe God enough to tithe or to give sacrificially to the thing that God has called me to. I don't believe God enough to admit that I need help in a moment or a season. Hebrews 11:6 says, and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. There's a, one of my favorite theologians, N.T. Wright said, faith for Hebrews is always closely linked or linked to hope. Faith is looking at God and trusting him for everything while hope is looking at the future and trusting God for it. So in other words, if we don't believe that God is there, then our faith has nothing to pursue. And regardless of whether we're believers or not, we have faith and it's pursuing something. 
So believing that God is there and that he exists and that he's the one who created everything and, and put everything in order, and my faith has something to pursue. And if we don't believe who he, that he is who he says he is, then we don't have anything to hope for. But having, my faith having something to pursue and my hope having something to pursue is what fighting battles and winning battles are all about. Because those things find their reality in the one in whom they rest. Faith in Jesus. Hope in Jesus. Because he was victorious, I am victorious. Because he lives, I have hope. See, one of the great theologians of our modern times, President Snow from The Hunger Games said, Hope, it is the only thing stronger than fear. A little hope is effective, a lot of hope is dangerous. A spark is fine as long as it is contained. And this morning, if you feel down, you feel out, you've been walking through these weeks and maybe you still don't believe that God has a purpose for you. Maybe you wake up every day feeling defeated. Maybe you don't have the vision to see what's coming in the future. And it seems like everything is happening to you. I believe that the enemy has been working real hard to contain the hope within you. You have hope. You have faith. Christ has died so that you may have those things. But are they contained? And I want to let you know that this morning I believe that God wants to take your spark. As he said, uh, uh, a, a little hope is effective, a, a, a lot of hope is dangerous, a spark is fine. That's the enemy speaking. I believe that God wants to take your spark and he wants to turn it into a flame this morning. Do you believe that? Do you believe what God has for you? Do you believe it's possible? Do you believe and have faith in the one who has called you? And it doesn't matter how much of a spark, how little, how great it is. There are those in this place this morning that believe it for you. And that being trained for battle, you don't have to have it all together or to have the strength or to have the power to win the battle. All you have to do is surrender and get in line with what God is already doing. Have the faith that God is going to secure your steps and that as you put your hand on the door, what door is it that you've, you've got your hand on and you've been, you, you know it needs to be opened, but up to this point it hasn't been able to happen? You believe God today that as you continue to push, as you stay faithful, as you believe in the one who called you to it, his hand is on that door and is going to open that door for you in his strength and you will gain the victory today. Would you stand with us this morning? We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.